It's Tracy, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. And today, I got super producer Alex with me again. How are you? I'm stuck on this one phrase in your show notes. What? So those that don't know, uh, Tracy and I will share a little bit of show notes before we start these things. And it'll usually be like a sentence or a phrase, uh, just as a, a bullet point of that's what the next episode is. So we know that that's what we're talking about here. Right. Um, the the three-word phrase that I have in front of me is gun-loving stripper. Yeah, gun lo- we're talking about gun-loving strippers today. I cannot mm-hmm. wait to hear about the gun-loving stripper. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and <laughs> guess what? Where does she put the gun? Uh, oh, now there's a good question. <laughs> does she Does she wear a holster? I never asked. I guess it's not a concealed weapon. <laughs> how did you not ask these questions do i need to start doing your interviews for you young lady (laughs) (laughs) tell us about the gun loving stripper well she's out here in westminster not far from us and oh westminster colorado oh yeah down the street so you can go kidding yeah and so her uh lawyer called i don't need to go meet the gun loving streeter i don't know you seem pretty fascinated by it anyway her lawyer called me chris ponce and Mm -hmm. he's our guest today he it because what happened is his client, wait we don't get the gun loving stripper we don't we get her we get we the get lawyer. attorney of yeah no gun no stripper the lawyer of her i was a boyfriend i think it was her boyfriend because she she bit his ear off what the hell i'm telling you this is crazy <laughs> it's completely crazy she pulled the an evander holyfield <laughs> the lawyer called me to do expert witness testimony in another case for body the body language of pre-violence yeah. and we got to talking about this and i said you have to come on my podcast so he is it's all about domestic violence mm-hmm. and this uh stripper who was going to gun manufacturing school and all about what the police did, how this thing got handled, how her boyfriend got his ear bit off and all the lies that, that are behind it. She's got a lie about a heart transplant. I mean, the whole thing, it just goes on and on and on. And it is fascinating. And it is a real case. And we got the insight on it. There's a school for gun making in Westminster. Yes, really? She moved her and her boyfriend moved. <laughs> from i believe ohio to westminster to go to this gun making school i didn't even i didn't know it was over there did she well i, I imagine if you're a stripper moving is pretty easy because you don't have much to move i don't i don't know okay a pole a couple of bikinis that's i mean what else pole. You need? I, yeah. I think i think the poles are supplied <laughs> wherever you go i imagine they are <laughs> um, okay so this this is very convoluted let me get this straight we are we are interviewing with Chris Ponzi, the attorney for the gun-loving stripper's boyfriend. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm telling you, it's complex. It is one of the craziest things we've ever talked about. It is 100% true. And I think we can't even explain it. You got to listen to it to listen to this whole thing, to hear about what happened in the lies. Now, here's the thing. I you got to watch- talking about listening and hearing with your little NLP thing. I know how your brain works. We're talking about somebody who got his ear bit off and yeah. you keep using all these hearing words. Yeah. Well, I saw, if you want to use a visual word, I saw the body cam footage. I've seen the lies in, yeah. in this whole thing. I've seen them myself and he is going to recount exactly <laughs> what happened. It's crazy. I can't wait. Can we just shut you up and you know we don't have to listen to you anymore and we go listen to the interview instead? Chris Ponce, let's go. Let's go. 
It's Tracy, and I am back with another episode of Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups, and I know that this one is going to be one of the most fascinating ones that we have done in a long time. I've got Chip Ponce with me. He is a lawyer, a civil rights lawyer, criminal defense, former prosecutor, and um, we got connected... Gosh, has it been, what, a year and a half ago? A year ago? Yeah, a little bit over a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because you are working on a case that we're not going to talk about uh, today. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be doing some, I guess, expert witness testimony in this case to get the... It's to get the charge changed down to the lower lower one, right? So well, hopefully to get an acquittal. So jury okay. trial, acquittal, yeah. Got it, got it. Okay, so the, <laughs> so we're gonna do that maybe this summer. The turns out court cases get changed around on the dates a lot. Yeah. Um, and so then you call me and you're like, Tracy, I have this other case. I want to talk to you about it, and it's already been adjudicated, has it not? So yes. we can we can talk a little bit about it, but it's got everything a case should have i think it's Mm -hmm. got it's got strippers and guns and it's got a veteran it's got a ton of lies because i watched the body cam footage (laughs) on that and and so let's just jump in okay so so for one so so we got your and it's domestic as as well it's a domestic like case between a guy and a girl right living together now and this veteran. So we got a veteran. He's 18 years in, is it the Army or Marines? Active duty Army. Yeah. Army, right. Okay, five deployments. The guy is, uh, you know, what we'd call a war hero, I think. Yep, right. And he gets home. What happens? Yeah, so he, well, on his last deployment, which was kind of around 2017, I think, if I remember right, 2017, 2018, mm-hmm. he... Um, he was getting divorced from his wife of like 15 or 16 years. And so he got, you know, kind of lonely. He's deployed him and his wife are, you know, kind of parting ways. Um, and so he kind of reaches out or is connected to an old high school acquaintance, um, a, a girl named Kelly. Kelly Chambers is her name. Um, We're getting she, it all out there, Kelly yeah, Chambers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so he reaches out to her. Well, they they meet they they reconnect on Facebook. Um, you know, so they were high school friends. They, uh, they were acquaintances. They you know they were not romantically involved in any way. Uh-huh. Um, and the last time he had spoken with her was in high school. So you know, at the time he, they're you know talking on Facebook, he's thirty six ish, and so it's been near twenty years since they've spoken, and uh, he is attracted to her. Um, and so they kind of kindle up this online relationship. Um, she has a lot of things that he really likes. She's very into guns. She's very into hunting. She's, she's kind of like has this appeal. It's kind of like the, the, um, kind of like the girl next door, plus Cabela's Bass Pro Shop kind of, you know, <laughs> uh, kind of profile. Like she's, she likes to camp. She's outdoors. All, all this stuff that's super appealing to him. Um, and so he kind of uh, starts, they start dating. And when he comes back from his deployment, he comes back to his station, which was in Sparta, Wisconsin at the time. Mm-hmm. 
and she moves up to Wisconsin to be with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they kind of start their, their relationship. And this is, you know, mid 2019 mm-hmm. uh, ish. And a lot of these time frames are, are going to be very approximate. So, um, so she, you know, she moves up there and he notices very quickly that she's, um, she's pathological. She has a, a problem with pathological lying. Mm-hmm. Um, she does not tell the truth. And, uh, so that creates a lot of chaos in his, in his relationship with her. And the, the, what I sensed in looking at this case and kind of looking back at everything and, and their text messages was that she's kind of the, the textbook, um, possessive, jealous, uh, needy type. Well, okay. So here, let's, let's talk about this because sure. I saw the body cam. I'm pretty good at profiling people uh-huh. and you left out one point. And that is that and the, the way that you, the, the way that you related to me, I think this was your quote. She fashioned herself into a YouTube stripper. It, now that's an important piece, I think, because I, because what I was picking up it was super low self-esteem and and that's typically how uh something like that can manifest right because you're trying to get attention and um anyway so what guy's not gonna like girl next door cabela's who's also super sexy right Mm -hmm. um but there's that missing piece like i could feel the i could feel the missing piece there when i listened to what she was saying on that body cam video so keep going yeah, so she wasn't a, a just to be more precise, she wasn't like a YouTube stripper or anything like that, but she was she had a Reddit uh account, mm-hmm. a Reddit. I think it's a profile or an account. I don't know much about Reddit, but I do know that she was doing essentially pornography videos mm-hmm. on, on Reddit. Um and she would, you know, masturbate and you know, do all kinds of stuff sexual stuff on on reddit and she would put it post those things online um and i i unfortunately one of those things you can't unsee in my representation of him you know i have to investigate everything look for everything and figure everything out and so you know one of the guys that was working on the case with me as an investigator found the reddit account and showed it to me and i only looked at it for you know like a, a few like probably 30 40 seconds but I mean, it was like, okay, that's all I need to to see of that. And there, there wasn't much, I guess, value to that in, in terms of the case itself, other than understanding her as a person, right? Sure, right. Um, which is what the cops and the prosecutors did not bother to do, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I can pick this up kind of chronologically. So yeah. he, so they're they're in Wisconsin, and um, she's te- she texts him all the time. Where are you at? Who are you with? You know, the classic type of possessiveness, jealousy that you see, you know, he'd be, you know, using the bathroom uh, and she would be texting him, asking him why, what's taking so long, things like Yikes. that. Um, yeah, I mean, just incredibly intrusive. And the thing about Art was that he's very, he's very, um, he's got a very, I guess, mild mannered uh, character. He's mm-hmm. he's not a, a domineering or overly aggressive person. He's very, I would say he, he's not weak by any means, but he's 
he's meek, I guess is the better mm-hmm. way to put it. So oh, he, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So he, and he's very accommodating. So, you know, he'll, he'll bear with people for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll bear with the faults in the, in the, he's the kind of guy that'll take a lot of abuse. Um, and so, and that's exactly what she did. Verbal abuse, even physical abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she threw uh, a soda at him. At one point she beat him with a belt at one point during this relationship. Yikes. Um, and, and she ended up accidentally hitting his 18 year old daughter in the face with the belt while she was beating him with the belt. And we had text messages of all this. So we had, we had admissions from her mm-hmm. through text acknowledgements, apologies for all of this. Um, and so he gets discharged from the military and he leaves Sparta, Wisconsin, and they both decide that they want to come to this gunsmithing school in mm-hmm. Colorado out in Lakewood. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go out to Lakewood. Um, and by the way, uh, my client's name is Art. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Art and Kelly, right? Got it. So, um, you know, they, they come out to this Colorado gunsmithing school and they start the school um, and she continues the abuse. Um, I, th- I believe the belt incident actually happened in, in Lakewood at their apartment there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so fast forward all the way to September of 2021. Okay. Hang on. I got a question and then we'll yeah. fast forward. Yeah. Okay. So you said he's kind of a mild guy, kind of meek yep. yet he's, uh, you know, a, a veteran and, uh, clearly into guns and things like that. Like mm-hmm. knowing this guy. Why did he stay? So I, I believe most of it had to do with just the fact that he was profoundly lonely. Um, so both of them were kind of that way. Yeah, I think so. His was, I believe that his was more or less like, I wouldn't classify it as codependence. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would call it more like he just, for lack of a better way of saying, it, I, I just think he, he didn't really have a lot of energy or motivation to go looking for somebody who was mm-hmm. better than her. So it's sort of like he was just kind of settling for somebody who was just there. Uh-huh. Um, and, and he, I don't think he respects himself as much as he should. Oh, okay. You know, okay. He's, so that's, he's a, so that's going both ways in this. Right. Yeah. yeah. Except his, you know, manifest itself in different, in much different ways. And in, mm-hmm. I guess in non-abusive patterns of behavior, right. He was more or less detached um, and things like that. And so I think, you know, the fact that they both sort of had this hole, gaping hole in their hearts mm-hmm. in some ways created this really caustic situation where they were mm-hmm. just, you know, not compatible that, you know, mm-hmm. they just weren't, it just wasn't working. And it's hard to be compatible with anybody who's abusive, right? I mean, that's just, it, it's it, really an abusive person is not compatible with anyone. I mean, if you think about it. Oh, right. So, totally. Totally. So, um, so, you know, if they moved from Wisconsin to Lakewood, they start up this gunsmithing school mm-hmm. kind of in the summer of 2021, mm-hmm. things aren't going very well. The relationship is just kind of dragging on and, you know, he's, he's growing more and more dissatisfied over time with this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then you come to September of 2021 and there's an incident where she is in the apartment. They get home. Art has this really big dog. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's an Italian, an Italian Mastiff and it's 120 pounds at the time. That's like a small horse. 
Yeah, exactly. So she comes in, he comes in and he goes out to smoke a cigarette and she Mm -hmm. goes upstairs and she lets the dog out of the upstairs bedroom. And then she Mm -hmm. starts coming down the stairs. Well, the dog kind of barrels down the stairs and uh, knocks her off of the staircase, uh, the the landing, and Mm -hmm. she falls on her arm and breaks it like, oh, Um, so Art comes in and he calls 911, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, we have the recording of him Mm -hmm. talking to 911 and you can hear in his voice. He is he is like very empathetic, very you can hear a lot of sadness in his voice and he's Mm -hmm. trying to calm her down. Um, and the 911 operator is asking him questions and he's and the 911 operator said, well, well, how far did she fall? Mm-hmm. You can hear Art turn to her and say, how far? Question mark. Uh-huh. Right. And then she, and then she's just kind of screaming in the background. Uh-huh. So the paramedics come and they talk to her and she tells them, yeah, I fell down the stairs. The dog, you know, this massive dog came down and, and you know, I, I got we, our legs got kind of tripped up. And, um, and then she goes to the hospital, tells the same thing to, to the people there. And then there's texts back and forth that we got between Art and Kelly, where uh, Art's daughter and Art and Kelly are on this group text. And the daughter is sending a picture. She sent a picture of the dog. Uh-huh. And she joked around and said his name was Boba. Uh-huh. Uh, after Boba Fett, the Star Wars character. Oh, so, okay. So that's his name because Art's a huge Star Wars fan, like okay. I mean, ridiculous nerd Star Wars. So, um, so he his dog's name is Boba. So, so the daughter um, sends a a photo of Boba, and she says he's in jail for what he did or something like joking. Uh-huh. Along. So, so then Kelly like laughs, um, and they're all you know talking about how this in, the incident happened, right? So the police are called because when the paramedics got there, they had put Boba back up into uh, the room and locked him in there. Okay. And, and the dog that they had two dogs. So the second dog is this tiny dog. Okay. It's like a little lap dog. Okay. So the paramedics show up and she's saying, well, I, I got tripped up by the dog. Uh-huh. Art's Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly is Caucasian. I think I do think that race has played a lot of dynamic, a, a big part in, in how people have interacted with these two mm-hmm. from the law enforcement, first responder standpoint. Mm-hmm. So the paramedics immediately get very skeptical because they're looking at this tiny little lap dog. Uh-huh. They're looking at Art. He's Hispanic. She's white. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think they started assuming that Art pushed her downstairs. So they called the cops. So the cops. Oh, show wow. Up. Okay. Okay. Yep. So the cops show up. And again, this is still the September 21 mm-hmm. uh, stairs incident. So the cops show up and they start asking her questions. She's like, no, I, I, it was the dog. I fell down the stairs and, um, and art. The thing about art is he's, he's, I, I think he's a little naive despite mm-hmm. his, his world experience, but he does not, he cannot tell when people are, I think have malicious intent toward him. Um, hmm. he sort of has somewhat of like a, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. Just this sort of, he sees the good in people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the paramedics call the cops and the cops show up and he's not thinking anything of it. I mean, he's just mm-hmm. like, Oh, cops are here. And, um, and so the cops start asking him more questions and they're like, wait, mm-hmm. tell us again. And then he, it starts to click. Okay. He's like, okay. These guys, he's like, wait, these guys think that I pushed her. Uh-huh. Um, 
And they're like, so the dog, huh? And he says, yeah, the dog. Um, and he realizes that they think it was this tiny little dog. So then he goes upstairs and he says, this dog. And he lets this massive 120-pound uh-huh. mast. And they all start laughing. And they're like, oh, that dog. <laughs> like, uh-huh. okay, that makes far more sense than mm-hmm. this tiny little dog. So then... You know, she goes to the hospital, like I said, and they have this text. So there's all this documentation of Mm -hmm. the fact that that's really what happened, that she was walking down the stairs and the dog was barreling down the stairs, um, this massive dog. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can hear in the 911 call that Art, he's responding to the dispatcher in ways that he would not respond if he had been there when Kelly fell. Right. So he didn't see it. He didn't see it. Mm-hmm. So he just comes in and she's screaming. And when mm-hmm. the dispatcher is asking him questions, you can clearly tell that he is, he is getting information from her about what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one in that situation would be smart enough to say, I need to talk to this dispatcher in, in a way that, you know, projects the idea that I don't know what happened. Right. I mean, that people aren't that and maybe as a fraud detector lie <laughs> detector it's maybe. pretty easy to see through that because they ask yeah. they ask all the wrong they they respond the wrong way right um right. to that it, it'll leak out and especially in a quick situation like that with um nine one one because nine one i've talked to nine one one we've had nine one one operators on on my show and they're they're trained to sniff all that they know yeah. what's going on right yeah, exactly. And the 911 operator didn't seem at all suspicious of anything. It wasn't until the paramedics got there and they're looking at this tiny little dog and they're mm-hmm. like, that doesn't make sense to us. And they're looking at Art and he's Hispanic and he looks rough. Mm-hmm. And when I mean rough, he looks rough and tough like a soldier. You know, mm-hmm. if, if he's not in his ACUs or his military or I, I forget what they changed. I was in the military, so the, I, we used to have ACUs. And that um, is what? Is that a uniform? Army combat uniform. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's okay. Like the, yeah. So they changed it. It's not an ACU anymore. It's something else. I think it might be the multi-cam something, but oh. if he's not in his uniform, uh-huh. you, know, you might think that he's sort of a ruffian. You okay. Know? Um, and so I think they're looking at him and they're kind of like, you know, this could, maybe this guy's bad news and you know, he's Hispanic and she's Caucasian. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, so after all that's kind of, the cops figure that out. They see the big dog. They're like, okay, that makes more sense. And then we've got all this documentation of the text messages and 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 her medical records telling the the hospital that she fell down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, nothing really comes of that. Uh, a couple weeks or months later, mm-hmm. Art, Art and Kelly are at a a class for I believe it's Sig Sauer pistols. Mm-hmm. where they're they have like this representative from the gun company who's doing a demonstration and this is down somewhere in south denver metro area and okay. it's and it's being hosted by a police agency mm-hmm. so the douglas county sheriffs are there the arapahoe county sheriffs are there and then gunsmithing students so mm-hmm. it's this massive room of gunsmithing students and and cops okay and Sig Six Hour or whatever the gun manufacturer was, they're putting on this presentation. So Art and Kelly start telling the cops about the story with the stairs. Okay. 
And, and so Art's like, you know, telling him, yeah, like, you know, the cops showed up and they thought I pushed her and, you know, um, and they all start laughing, the cops mm-hmm. do, and the Arapahoe County sheriffs that are there tell them, well, you guys should do a class for police academy in, in, in how to approach a situation and not make assumptions, right, based on race and based mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. you know, gender and things like that. They're like, it's fascinating that, you know, and, and kudos to the police department that showed up and was able to, like, read your credibility look at the situation, look at the stairs, finally see the dog that was mm-hmm. you know, the culprit. Right. And, right. and, and realize like, yeah, that it, it wasn't, it didn't happen like they had suspected that it happened. So that these cops were laughing. And so that happened. Right. So right after the stairs incident, Kelly goes to the, the apartment managers mm-hmm. and, and lies to them and tells them that she fell on the staircase outside the apartment oh because of wet paint and sprinkler water she wants some money she wants money yes um and we ended up in the course of my representation of art we ended up getting the report through subpoena Mm -hmm. where the apartment complex person is taking down kelly's statement about Mm -hmm. what happened Mm -hmm. he clearly says in there that she came in today stating that she got hurt on the stairs outside because we did not let the paint, we didn't put up signage and whatever else, sprinkler water. Um, so we ended up getting that report, right? Yeah. So, so that happens, okay? S- still at this point, Art and Kelly are not involved in the legal system yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so fast forward to February. Okay. February, 2022, Kelly's working at Cabela's and she gets fired mm-hmm. for trying to steal, to short sell a firearm to herself so she tries to use a discount for a gun on a gun that the discount doesn't apply to so that she could get buy this gun cheaper Mm -hmm. so stealing essentially but not stealing all the way just getting a a discount that she's not entitled to right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so she ends up getting fired we have text messages of that of her admitting Mm -hmm. to all that um and telling art that yeah i got fired today right so this causes the situation between the two of them to tank, I think, because now she's at home with nothing mm-hmm. to do and, and they're just going to the class. And so they're literally with each other all the time at this point. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to April of 2022. This is the day that Art is falsely accused of crimes mm-hmm. by, this, by this woman. So they wake up, Art's very sick. Art had COVID. Mm-hmm. And he, he had long haul COVID, so he had to have oxygen tanks. Oh boy! That were in his home. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in the hospital for a few days. Um, he had he had COVID very bad. So, and he's still at this point, sort of on the tail end of recovery from COVID. And he mm-hmm. got a he. And on top of that, he got a cold. Yeah. So so he wakes up at five o'clock in the morning, and their gunsmithing school goes from seven thirty to four thirty. Okay. So. He wakes up and tells her, I'm not, I'm not going to, to school today. I feel terrible. Um, so he takes, he said a Z-Quil. I don't even know what that is. Um, some kind of. NyQuil. Some it's some kind of NyQuil. Something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. So he says, I'm going to go to sleep. Um, and so she goes to the school. Her and the daughter carpool together. Um, and because the daughter's school is 
blocks away from the gunsmithing school. Okay. So Kelly, school. Yep. So mm-hmm. Kelly goes to the gunsmithing school and then because of her, the way she is, she knows that he's back there by the apartment by him, by himself mm-hmm. and something in her doesn't like that. And so she's, she's very kind of a hovery type person. She hovers, Mm -hmm. right? So she says, I'm going back to take care of art and the gunsmithing people all know who he is Mm -hmm. because they're all in the class together. It's like, okay. So she leaves and she calls faith and says, faith is the daughter. Mm -hmm. She says, come back and um, pick me up so I can go back and, and take care of your dad. So she gets back to the apartment. Um, they're there, they get into an argument, but nothing happens. He falls asleep and then, and she falls asleep on mm-hmm. separate, in separate rooms. Okay. They sleep through the day and mm-hmm. she wakes up around two o'clock. Um, he gets up, she goes up to the room where he's laying and she starts trying to fondle him. And mm-hmm. she's, and, and this was sort of a modus operandi for her. She would, mm-hmm. she would try and use sex to resolve arguments mm-hmm. um so if if she sensed that he was going to um break up with her or mm-hmm. if he was going to um you know if he was angry with her or something like that the the, the method was i'm going to use my body right to got it to coax you back into compliance essentially mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was the nature of their relationship. He was sort of compliant and she was re- very, um, she was very managerial over the relationship. And the text messages that I got from his phone, she's constantly managing him, mm-hmm. right? managing his perceptions. She's projecting a narrative of how things are between them, whether that's true in perception or reality is a mm-hmm. different, is a different question, right? But she's constantly kind of controlling him. Um, so, so she can sense he's upset on this morning and she's using the sex to try and, and, and resolve mm-hmm. that. And, and he doesn't want it. Um, yeah. Cause there's nothing like sex with a sick person or when you're sick. It's right. Awful. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> um, e- even for, even for males, you know, mm-hmm. who are, who are <laughs> you know, um, obviously sometimes lack control. <laughs> you think? Uh, um, <laughs> oh my gosh. So, um, <laughs> So he, you know, he tells her, I, I don't want, I don't want to do this. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not feeling this right now. Um, she just keeps going mm-hmm. and she climbs into bed with him. And then he gets up out of bed and says, look, I, I don't want to be touched. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then he, at this, in this moment, he just realizes he, and, and it's kind of the, the, the pivotal moment for him mm-hmm. in this relationship where he realizes that he's got to, to break up with her mm-hmm. because it's not working out. He doesn't like her. He's done. And so mm-hmm. he tells her, I, I, I want to break up with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had tried to break up with her several times, but never had the strength to follow through with it. But today was different. Mm-hmm. So she starts to cry and, and she wants him to, to not break up with her. Obviously mm-hmm. she, sure. she says, I, I love you and all this sort of stuff. And and then, and then he's like, you need to leave. I, I want you, I want you to move out. Mm-hmm. And so she looks at him and she says, I'll leave. If you tell me, you don't love me, mm-hmm. tell me you don't love me and I'll leave. And, and art says, I don't love you. Uh-huh. And that was basically the, that was the, the snap, right? Mm-hmm. The straw that broke the camel's back. He had never directly told her that. 
Mm-hmm. He had never come out and just said, I don't love you. So she snapped and she walked up to him and she said, then give me, then give me one last kiss. Uh-huh. And he said, sure, I'll give you a kiss, but I'm not going to kiss or you can kiss me, but I'm not going to kiss you back. Uh-huh. So she comes up to him and she, tur- and she turns and he turns and she bites his ear. She like clamps down on his ear. Oh. Um, and she, she bites it so hard that like, it starts bleeding pretty profusely from, is it ear. like the top part of the ear or the bo- like earlobe? It's like, part? it's like earlobe. So it's like right in here. Okay. Like the actually side. it's, it is from the top. So it's like from kind of like the, the top of the kind of down to the, Oh, like, so like the Mike Tyson bite area. Totally. Yeah. Got it. I mean, okay. It was a total, and he, even one of the cops had later joked that oh uh-huh. you mike tysoned him or something oh oh okay okay um, yeah totally not taking it serious totally uh-huh. who cares you know um and so he you know sh- he, she's got a hold of him uh-huh. and 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 she's biting his ear and so he kind of wedges his hand up and and she he's kind of trying to tug her off but he can't because it it hurts you know pretty badly and, and uh-huh. as he's trying to push he can feel like she won't kinda, let go yeah and it's exactly and it's tearing at his ear so so she and he, he grabs her ponytail and uh-huh. kind of starts to pull her hair and then she lets go of his ear and then he shoves her off of him and he runs uh-huh. so he runs down to the bathroom and he calls his mom uh-huh. she comes down there and she hangs up the phone on him on his mom and so did she grab it away from him or was he on speaker or how so did he, that... he was on speaker. Yep. Uh-huh. So he, he, when he would call his family and she was present, he would always put it on speaker. Oh, so he calls his mom on speaker and she comes in and she grabs the phone and she's just, you know, uh-huh. hanging it up. Uh-huh. And we have records of that. So we uh-huh. have the cell phone records that show three hangups at approximately it's like three 20 in the afternoon. Uh-huh. Um, and there's, there's three of them. So there's three phone calls to the mother, each for like seconds. Uh huh. So he tried to call her back. So he tried to call her back. Yeah. So she, so she hangs up the phone on him several times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she ends up, you know, walking out, he walks out. Um, she goes downstairs, he goes downstairs and then they're just screaming at each other and he starts uh-huh. to rec- and he starts to record it. Uh huh. So we have this recording. So he has a voice, voice memo, voice memo. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. two voice memos. And she's screaming in the background, like enraged. Uh-huh. It's not. It's not. It's not like I'm a victim, screaming and crying. It's not uh-huh. like fear. It's like rage. Uh-huh. And so, and he's telling her, "You just bit my ear." Uh-huh. And, and she's like screaming at him. Uh, and and then halfway into it, she calls her dad uh-huh. and puts him on, and she puts him on speakerphone. So we've got a voice memo. That Art is recording while she's walking around with her father on speakerphone. Uh-huh. And you can hear uh, Art telling the father, she bit my ear. I, she needs to get out of here. I want uh-huh. her out of here. Um, and, the, and the father is trying to calm her down, saying, you know, Kelly, you need to calm down. You need to calm down. She's just screaming. Mm-hmm. And then about halfway through, Art says, um, I've been recording you for 15 minutes um and bless you um and and so when she hears that she starts saying well you you attacked me 
you oh you, so she starts to spin it right away right right away and mm-hmm. and she's like well you attacked me and and art's like i'm gonna i'm gonna call the cops if you don't leave mm-hmm. and you can you can hear the father telling art don't call the cops uh-huh call the cops like you know you guys are both you guys are gonna get arrested art's like i'm not gonna get arrested and and she's like yeah you are gonna get arrested because you attacked so she starts to uh-huh this goes to how deceptive she is she's the uh-huh. most based on my review of everything and the body camera and everything she's the most deceptive person i think i've ever come across ever uh-huh. in my uh-huh. entire career in life uh-huh. um but because she's so intelligent so she, she's highly intelligent mm-hmm. in how she deceives so the father is still telling them that he doesn't want the cops to be called which is mm-hmm. interesting right because if you're on the phone with your daughter and your daughter's saying i was attacked if you believed her then you would want the cops to be called yeah totally but it's almost like the father doesn't even believe her uh-huh it's like it's like she's saying this stuff and the dad and the father's like you know don't call the cops because uh-huh. you know i i don't i don't want you to get arrested so then that that memo that voice memo ends and then there's a video that art takes of her storming out of the out of the apartment uh-huh. you can see her she's mad so she's uh-huh. not victim crying she's not fearful she's grabbing her stuff and she's she does seem afraid but she's uh-huh. afraid because art's telling her that he's calling the cops uh-huh so she goes outside and she she takes his truck uh-huh and she crashes it so she she just backs it into a pole and uh-huh. and it seems pretty obvious that it was on purpose um so she comes back up after she backs the truck into the pole and art goes downstairs and he sees that his truck is damaged and that's when he's basically had enough so at that time kelly starts calling art's daughter telling her that if she doesn't bring the car back she's gonna falsely report that Uh she stole it so the daughter's freaking out so Uh the daughter drives back art texts the daughter and says call the cops because Uh kelly kelly is unhinged Uh uh-huh so while Art is out in the parking lot waiting for the cops to show up, Art starts to take a video of Kelly. Uh-huh. Kelly's in the back of her vehicle, of her friend's vehicle, because her friend shows up. Right, I saw that vehicle. Yeah, yep. it's like so a she, Mazda. Yep. So she, so Kelly grabs a gun, and this is on video. Uh-huh. She grabs a gun and she looks at Art and she says, "Keep effing with me." Uh-huh. Right, and and that's on video, and uh-huh. she's got this mean mugging stare, like uh-huh. she's. Staring right at him she says keep effing with me and so so what what the cops have when they show up shortly after that is they've got a video of her with a gun uh-huh wearing a gun t-shirt i can't remember what it said but it was very pro guns yeah it said gun candy (laughs) yeah 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 so and that was the thing and i think i mentioned this to you you know my assessment of her was like she's she kind of has this like fantasy about herself like she's this kind of gun bunny uh-huh. You know, like she she takes pictures of herself in lingerie and in her underwear with, you know, uh, flak vests on bulletproof vests and she's got guns and uh-huh. all that kind of thing. It's it's like it's sort of like her persona. Right. It is very much. Yeah. Right. And she so she's obsessed with guns. And that's uh-huh. absolutely clear because she's in gunsmithing school. You know, she's taking all these pictures with guns. She's constantly buying guns. In their text message communications, she was constantly sending Art links to like new guns that she wanted to buy. Right? Uh-huh. 
So the cops show up. Okay. Um, Lakewood police department uh-huh. and, and they show up and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be nice. I'm not going to dime them out by name. Um, but, but they show up and it's, it's very clear that the first guy is in, is just, she has him wrapped around her finger. I mean, well, he's I, he's he's taking her the information. He's not questioning right. her for sure, like right. deeply. Yeah. Right. The, the, th- the thing he's worried about mostly is how many guns are around there. Right. Exactly. The, and he's very concerned about that, as he should right. be. Right. Yeah. Right. True. And and that's at least true initially. Right. When they mm-hmm. get there. Um, so when the cops get there, the, the one cop goes and talks to her Um. And then the other cop, the other two cops go and talk to Art and his daughter. Mm-hmm. And Art is standing there and his ear is bleeding. Mm-hmm. His truck is damaged. Yep. And he's got a video of her threatening him with a gun. Mm-hmm. The cops have all that information, like when they get there. She has these very faint red marks on one side of her neck. That's mm-hmm. it. I couldn't even see him. Yeah, right. So you looked at, you mm-hmm. looked at the, the, can, the camera. I looked at some of it. Yeah, I didn't look right. at all of it, but... Yeah, you can't even I mean, looking at the body camera, there's 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 no evident injury to her at all. Mm -hmm. Right. So so when the cop walks up, when you look at the body camera, the very first thing you see is she says he choked me out at 930 this morning. Mm -hmm. That's what she says. He choked me out at 930. And this is 3 p.m. Right. Oh, no, this is like 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is close to 6 p.m. So she says he did this and he did this at 930 this morning. He choked me out at 930. So the officer's like, oh, okay, well, you know, tell me what happened. And he gets a really brief statement from her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he walks away because he wants to delegate tasks. Right. So he talks to the other officers and he says, okay, I'm going to, I got a brief statement from her. I'm going to talk to her. You guys follow up with him and the daughter. One of you talk to her friend. And so he comes back and, and he says, okay, tell me what happened. And, mm-hmm. and just, you know, just kind of go through it with me. Right. So she starts to tell the narrative again. Mm-hmm. She says, we woke up that morning. He was sick. I went to school and then I came back to take care of him. And and we got into an argument, nothing big. You know, we were just kind of yelling at each other over something with his family, something having to do with his his daughters. She says, I went to sleep and then I woke up, you know, around two o'clock and, and then we start arguing again. And then the cop pauses her and he says, mm-hmm. wait, I thought you said this happened at 930. And mm-hmm. she says, and you can see the look on her face. I mean, the, and I don't know if you remember this look, Tracy. But I didn't. I didn't go that far. I was uh, slammed, and I, I yeah. watched a little more of it. But yeah, yeah. It, when you look, the look on her face when she realizes that she was just totally caught in an in an mm-hmm. absolute unequivocal lie, mm-hmm. but she just sl- slinks right past it. I mean, she says, "Well, it's kind of been all day," or some some general, mm-hmm. you know, just deflection. Right? She totally deflects. And the officer doesn't come back, doesn't push her on that at all. He doesn't even, it's like nothing clicks. He's just like, okay. And so he starts to get more of the statement out. So she generally comes up with this story that, that Art choked her out and she bit him in the ear in, in self-defense. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which, you know, to any ordinary person or anybody who's done any you know, like grappling or, you know, hand to hand training that already right there sounds weird, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you look at Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield and you look at how Mike Tyson was able to bite Evander Holyfield's mm-hmm. ear, they were like locked almost in like a hug. Well, if so, right? if you're trying to evade someone, you're going to back away. Mm-hmm. Generally, right. like, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But if you go back and you watch that, you can go on YouTube and see it. Uh-huh. The classic uh, video of Evander and, and Mike, mm-hmm. and they're and they're it's like boxers do when they're tired, right? They just start hugging each other. It's yeah, really, it's like boring to watch, you know. Yeah, why do they do that? Um, Is that because they're <laughs> that's, tired? That's why people watch MMA now. So, but uh, <laughs> so like you know, they're they're like hugging each other, and and that's when Mike just goes in for the bite. Mm-hmm. You know, but he he has to get close. He's got they have they're hugging, right? Mm-hmm. Which you know physically is exactly how Art described it. He he said she wanted a hug, mm-hmm. you know, and and I agreed to let her hug me, and that's how she got that close. Mm-hmm. She's saying that he was in the middle of choking her out. Like she said, she told mm-hmm. the cops that he had her in a in a rear naked chokehold. Mm-hmm she was able to bite his ear from that position, which is just insane. Can't do that because she's in front. Yeah, you can't do it. That's the most unbelievable, you know, totally Uh unbelievable. And Uh and you can tell when you watch that body camera, she is trying to figure out how to, how to get art charged and, and, and how she can get out of being charged. Now, what, what, how does this thing shake out? So the cops arrest art. Mm Mm-hmm. They, they basically really? they did they believed the whole thing from yeah, her yeah yeah and because I mean, it's pretty evident i need to train their team uh because she was lying all over the place like right from start to finish and all those tears did you notice she that where there was never tears and right. i say all those tears there was no tears when right. she got stressed she she put her she put Kleenex up here on the bridge of her nose. Huh. And that's what folks do who aren't really crying, who claim to be crying. And and here's the other thing that she did is that crying. So crying is a it's a chemical hormonal response. Right. And so all those chemicals have a half life and they slowly dissipate. Right. Mm-hmm. And she can turn that on and off like like that and she was doing that and i was like oh my gosh she is just faking her way through this whole thing so that's what i got out of of her yeah well what's interesting is like the polar shifts Mm -hmm. right like one second she's she's like fake crying and Mm -hmm. the next second she's joking Mm -hmm. with the officer Mm -hmm. and and kind of they're like laughing right Mm -hmm. she even makes fun of art's family you know she makes fun of how poor they are um and she she's bragging to the to the officer about like oh if there's a legal battle between her and her family you know they could basically bury them in in in, in legal fees mm-hmm. because her family has a lot of money. Mm-hmm. She claims to have been like an heiress of the Ford family. Oh, uh, like the cars? Like the cars. Oh. Yeah. Um, so which, so so they're living in a little apartment thing in Lakewood because she's an heiress. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's I mean, ridiculous. It's just, so and you're, and you're driving a Mazda. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, and the whole time she's talking to the cops, she's, you can tell she's, she is pleading with them to, she's, she's basically begging them to believe mm-hmm. that she didn't commit any crimes. Mm-hmm. 
And she's very focused on the fact that she she's loves guns and she can't get charged with the crime. So she's so preoccupied with that, which is mm-hmm. not what a, a true victim or a real victim of crime, you know, they're normally not going to be very, very extremely focused on the fear that they're going to be charged unless they have a guilty conscience. Oh, for sure. They're, they're focused on how you're going to catch this guy and, um, and how you're going to do your investigation. Like that, that's what they're focused on. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and she made suicidal comments Mm -hmm. um, to art and to his daughter. Mm -hmm. And so when the cops are talking to the parties, the, the daughter ends up telling one of the cops, hey, she was threatening to kill herself. Mm-hmm. And the cops watched her load up a bunch of guns mm-hmm. to her friend's car. So she's got she has guns. Mm-hmm. She's got a lot of guns. She's made suicidal comments that she admitted to making to mm-hmm. the officers. Mm-hmm. They have a video of her threatening art with a gun. They have her admitting to crashing art's truck and art's ear is bleeding. And she walks away from that. Mm-hmm. Well, like, that's and, and I think that's that's the point to our. I mean, one of the points to our discussion today is because okay, so Art finds you mm-hmm. to help him get out of trouble. Right. Yeah. yeah. So he. Yeah. So he's arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes to the hospital, and he is. You know, he he calls me and 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 hires me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I start to look at the case and, you know, it's clear I was a prosecutor for, you know, a, a while in two mm-hmm. different jurisdictions, including the jurisdiction he was charged in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I'm looking at this and, and this is to me, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, there's no way the DA's office is going to, you know, pursue this. They're, mm-hmm. they're, I, I should be able to, to convince them. We should just be able to have a reasonable conversation and, and mm-hmm. they should dismiss this case. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, it's insane. I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm like, this is insane. There's no way this man should be charged for this. Mm-hmm. And by the way, she starts to tell the cops that he pushed her down the stairs in September. Oh, so it's, it's right? coming all changing so she, again. She brings it yeah. full circle. Right. And then she starts to tell the cops that he abused her in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And she, she tells the cops that he, he beat the hell out of his daughter. Mm-hmm. So she's basically just, and she says he got kicked out of the army mm-hmm. because he is a piece of crap. Mm-hmm. She says he was dishonorably discharged. But he uh, was actually discharged for an injury, which correct. would be honorable. Is that true? Correct. He was yeah. honorably discharged after five deployments mm-hmm. highly decorated. And it was for a back injury, mm-hmm. but she's just lying through her teeth. Now she's, She's doing everything she can to absolutely destroy his character. Sure. I mean, sure. whatever she can do to destroy yeah. his character. So, um, so that, so, you know, Art's charged with this. And the first thing she does a, a couple weeks, so Art gets out of jail. Mm-hmm. First thing she does a couple weeks after that is the DAs call her and ask her to do an interview. Mm-hmm. So she goes to the DA's office. Mm-hmm. Um, and she tells the DA, that morning, he was begging me, texting, begging mm-hmm. me to come back and take care of him. Mm-hmm. And, and he wanted to be babied. Mm-hmm. And she said, he's just controlling. And that's what he would do all the time. Right. So we pulled his phone records mm-hmm. and I had his phone forensically downloaded. Uh-huh. And I took the records to the DA. 
Mm-hmm. I said this morning where she said he was texting her, begging him to come back and take mm-hmm. care of her. That did not happen. Mm-hmm. Here's the forensic download of his phone that shows that he did not send her a single message that day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the DA wouldn't, didn't even bat an eye at that. Didn't even care. Really? Didn't even care. Yeah. Didn't even care that I proved to him, uh-huh. proved to him that she sat down, looked him in the eyes and lied to him. And so, so this is a case of generally, cause, cause we were talking before of, of the, you know, the DA tent in an, uh, in a abusive case, believe right. in the woman, which a lot of times is, is legitimate thing to do. But do you think that this is not being handled on a case by case basis? Do you think there's like a blanket policy going on? Like, what do you think the deal is? Because there's been a trial, which it was dismissed, wasn't it? Because she wouldn't show up and testify. Yeah, the whole thing was dismissed. Uh So he was charged in late April of 2022. Uh um, And I represented him until December. We Uh we prepared his case for trial because Uh they wanted him to become a felon. Uh They they wanted him to plead guilty to strangulation. Uh And there was no evidence of a strangulation. Zero. Uh Um, And so, you know, it's like I told him, you, you can't. You can't plead guilty to anything, uh-huh. you, you know. And he's like, I'm, "I would never plead guilty to anything because I I didn't do anything." And and so, you know, we're like, "Yeah, there, there's no offer that no plea offer that's going to satisfy uh, us." Because in, mm-hmm. and I told the DA time and time again, I showed them over and over and over again how she was a liar, and and I, they're just not buying it. And no. so, what I mean, what do you? there's gotta be something else going on. Like, what are you attributing this to? Are you at liberty to? Yeah, I can. I mean, my, yeah, my, my thought is that she was the most skilled liar that most of us had probably ever encountered in our life. See, I don't think she was that skilled though. I was looking at her. I was listening. Yeah. I was like, there's no skill here. It's just talking. That's not, it's not working at all, but they believed it all. Right. And I think it's more like her insistence, like, mm-hmm. Most people, when they're confronted with hard proof that mm-hmm. they just told a lie, mm-hmm. will will you know they'll they'll either try and explain it or they'll or they'll maybe like deny having said what they said or something mm-hmm. along those lines, mm-hmm. right? She doesn't do that, and she didn't do that. She would insist that her clearly deceptive incompatible with the truth and the facts Mm -hmm. version of events was true in the face of hard evidence that it couldn't be true. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she, she had a conversation with the detective after this happened too, and where she lied about art and she, she claimed, made a bunch of claims about him, like his wife, like he beat his wife. Mm -hmm. I called his wife and his wife was his, his ex-wife. And his wife said, you know, I was married to him for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not his biggest fan. Mm-hmm. And frankly, we did not divorce on great terms. Mm-hmm. But he would never beat a woman. Mm-hmm. It's not who he is. Right. And she and she she told the detective he abused her. Mm-hmm. But she said, if you talk to her, she'll downplay it. So mm-hmm. it was like so it was like she was getting in their heads. She was getting ahead of them. 
She was getting ahead of, she was at one mm-hmm. step ahead every, every, at every mm-hmm. turn, right? She told them he beat the hell out of his daughter in Wisconsin. But mm-hmm. if you ask her about it, she'll mm-hmm. downplay it. Mm-hmm. So they didn't even bother talking to the daughter. They just believed what she said. They didn't even ask the daughter about what had happened in Wisconsin. So then what's what's left to do here? Like this thing is, I mean, clearly we got someone, she's going to do this again, right? So like, what's your take on this whole thing? So, you know, um, what I'm trying to do for Art mm-hmm. is figure out a way to help him recoup his trial fees, mm-hmm. uh, his defense costs, his expenses for this whole thing. His father had to cash out his 401k um, to pay for all this. Um, you know, in terms of her, you know, we considered suing her. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is just, you know, no one believes that she's a Ford heiress, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, and, and the, the other issue is that she moved back to Texas. Mm-hmm. So trying to have a, you know, a, a, a multi-state lawsuit, which, you know, we, we might have to file in federal court or, mm-hmm. you know, or file it in Texas, um, or, or if we filed it in Colorado, it would be, how do we enforce a judgment? And, you know, it, so none yeah. of it, none of it seems just practically feasible. Right. And so, um, and, and then we thought about suing the police. Um, oh, that never works. It, 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 it can work. Um, the issue with this is with this case was that, um, you know, they're, they're probably not going to be held accountable for believing her lies. Right. You know, they're, 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 they would easily be able to come to court and say, well, we just, she seemed like she was telling the truth to us. And, mm-hmm. and the, the, generally the court system's not going to hold police accountable in situations where they're acting in good faith. Sure. Right. You know, at least where they believe that what they're doing is the right thing. Um, and I think there is a little bit of culpability with them um, because I think that they willfully chose to discriminate here. I, I think they discriminated. Huh. Against uh, I think it, it had to do partially with his Hispanic heritage. Um, I think it had to do with his looks. I think it had to do with his, his gender. Um, you know, she was she really played up the uh, damsel in distress uh character she, mm-hmm. she assumed that character very fluidly I mean, very mm-hmm. very adeptly she just mm-hmm. she put it on like a cloak and mm-hmm. um you know but behind closed doors you could see she was an entirely different person i mean mm-hmm. in their text messages she's clearly the abuser she's clearly the controller the manipulator huh. and the wow. police okay. didn't bother finding out any of this information you mm-hmm. know? so then so how how are you um because we gotta start to wrap her up here how um how can people help? So, um, you know, I don't really know, to be honest with you at this point. Um, uh-huh. I, I mean, I think that that I guess I'll just make a general point, which mm-hmm. is that the way domestic violence laws are the state of the law mm-hmm. is that every person who makes an accusation is treated the same. Mm-hmm. And every person who is accused is treated the same when in reality, Domestic violence itself is a is a very nuanced and complicated sociological paradigm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a phenomenon, as far as I can tell, and it's very rare. And it's almost always male. It's a male problem. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's ninety something percent of domestic the true domestic violence relational paradigm 
the male is the perpetrator and the abuser Mm -hmm. and the female is the victim. Uh Right. But in, in most criminal cases where a male is charged, that Mm -hmm. paradigm is not present because, you know, simply pushing a person or, or slapping a person or, you know, breaking a person's phone, you know, is not indicative of this cycle of violence, they call it. Mm -hmm. It's just a, there's so many just one-off incidents where people get in arguments and they do things they regret, right? It doesn't Mm -hmm. make domestic violence offenders, like pathological offenders, right? Mm -hmm. Repeat, yeah, yeah. Right, but the problem is that the system, the way the laws are written, especially with the mandatory arrest law, in, mm-hmm. this, in this state where if prob- police have probable cause that a DV offense occurred, they have to arrest you on the spot. Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it could be for something minor. Um, you know, everybody's treated the same. Mm-hmm. This, this d- domestic violence paradigm is applied in every case as if that's what's happening relationally mm-hmm. between the two. And, and it's almost never really truly happening. Mm-hmm. You know, there's very, it's very rare that when I was a prosecutor, believe me, I came across a few dudes and I was like, yeah, you are a classic DV. You're, you're a wife beater. Yeah. You're the one. <laughs> that, yeah. That is what you do. Like you, mm-hmm. you enjoy torturing your wife and, yeah. and you have, and you've done that to other women and, mm-hmm. and it's something you will always do. And it's just who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sent several of those people to prison for mm-hmm many decades Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. you know and so i can i can recognize it when i see it Mm -hmm. the problem is that a lot of lawyers and particularly prosecutors are not really trained to distinguish and the law doesn't require them to make any distinctions sure sure between a true domestic violence uh, sociology pathology Mm -hmm. and then just and then just a one-off incident where people get into an argument and you know, they slap each other, punch each other, mm-hmm. break a phone or, or something like that. Right. Wow. Interesting. So, interesting. Because, see, I've never dived in, dove into the laws of how everything goes um, with that and that there even could be a difference. I never thought about it. And some people will agree, you know, and some people won't. And I think that's OK. Um, so then uh, how, how can people get a hold of you? Like if they, I don't know, have an idea to help something yeah. like that. How, what should, yeah. how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, they can just email me. Um, mm-hmm. So my email is Chris, C-H-R-I-S, at HamptonPigot.com. It's uh, spelled Hampton like the hotels. Mm-hmm. H-A-M-P-T-O-N, Pigot, spelled P-I-G-O-T-T.com. Um, and you, know, you can find me online, too, at our website, HamptonPigot.com. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my attorney profiles there, but I routinely represent people in criminal defense cases, civil rights cases. And so, you know, if anybody, we will be hopefully launching a GoFundMe at -hmm. some point. Um, That's the goal at some, we just need to get that orchestrated and get that together. Also would like to do a documentary as you and I have talked about this, about this situation, the massive failures of, you know, the DA's office, the the police to, to really see what was going on here. and and so yeah that's that's where we're at wow so we're still uh we're still working here for art to uh get a get a fair shake out of things so um chris i know it's chip and and chris you got two names but um thank you yeah (laughs) thank you for 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 telling the story i think shedding some light on you know something that we need to take a look at 
And um, I am interested to see how, uh, you know, because I think out of trouble comes change. And um, I'm interested to see how this one shakes out. So thank you for coming on the show. No, thank you. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. I'll see you next time. Here we go. All right, we're back for a little update because we realized we got so into the story of the domestic violence that we forgot the most salacious part. So Chris, give us like just real quick on more lies from Kelly. What happened? Yeah, Yeah, so, and this probably was, this was the most powerful persuasive tactic that Kelly used. When she was talking to the police on scene, she started telling them that she had a heart condition and that she needed a heart transplant. She told them that she had needed a heart for eight years and that she had been on a, a list um, to get a heart, a new heart. So she told the cops that when she was on scene and I, and I looking at their demeanor, seeing everything, it, it, that really seemed to tip the scales. They really started to feel sorry for her. Mm-hmm. Um, despite all this other stuff that they had of her, you know, the video of her threatening art with the gun and his bleeding ear, but they started to feel sorry for her. And so that seemed to tip the scale. So he got arrested. Um, and I think that it was because she used this sympathy card about needing a heart. So she goes to the hospital and this is all on body camera. Mm-hmm. She goes to the hospital. Um, and she, and this is, She's, you know, probably three or four hours later um, from when the cops were originally called and she's in the uh, emergency room sitting on a hospital gurney, hospital bed. Mm-hmm. There, there's a victim witness person there. There is a police officer there who's recording mm-hmm. it. Body mm-hmm. camera, And then there's a forensic nurse there. Yeah, I didn't even know there was forensic nurses. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a sub it's a subspecialty in nursing. Um, I imagine it's super important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a new, it's a newer mm-hmm. discipline, though. Um, so, so she starts telling them about needing a heart because the officer pipes in and says, "Oh yeah, Kelly is on the waiting list for a heart transplant." Because mm-hmm. that's what she's told him, sitting there in the Mazda right. in the parking lot. Right. 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 So. She pipes in and she says, yeah, you know, I, I've needed a heart for eight years. I've been on this list and I have this transplant team. And, mm-hmm. and she says, matter of fact, back when COVID hit, I was in Texas and I got a call from my doctors and they told me I needed to drive up from Texas to Minneapolis mm-hmm. to, um, what's that famous uh, hospital up there? Uh, yeah, the Mayo Clinic. That's it. Yeah. Mm. Mayo Clinic. Yep. So she says, I got to get up to, you know, Mayo Clinic up in Minneapolis. And, um, and they said, they've got a heart for me. Mm-hmm. And, and she says, this is right around when COVID really hit. So we're mm-hmm. talking March of 2020. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She says, I drive all the way up there. And, and as she's telling this story, I mean, the, the nurse and the victim witness, they're all just wide eyed with, mm-hmm. you know, just, just they're just being totally just just captivated you know mm-hmm. by, by this story she says i get into the operating room they get me all prepped they bring out the heart and then they throw it away they throw it's all pumping and stuff that's the loose quote they throw it away when it's all pumping and stuff mm-hmm. 
had to watch them throw it away. She said, people run in and they say, you've probably heard about COVID-19 when what's happening. And, and she says, um, I, they, they said, we can't go through with it mm-hmm. because, because of all the protocols that are coming out from the CDC and everything. And mm-hmm. she, she said, you know, it was terrible. And, and, and so the cop and the victim witness and the forensic nurse like, oh, no, really? And she's like, yeah. And, and they said, wow, they couldn't just let you decide whether you wanted the heart or not. And, mm-hmm. and she said, no. And, and they said, oh, that's just terrible. And then the forensic nurse pipes in and she says, you know, you're very strong. You're, you're, you've got a story. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, you, you've got a story and you're, you're just, you know, you're just this strong, you know, person with this wonderful backstory. And uh-huh. you don't need these, you know, dirt bag, like art, you know, just bringing you down. Uh-huh. You know? So you know, that's on, that's all on body camera, right? Uh-huh. So in preparation for Art's trial, I found uh, the organization that manages the master list for organ donations. Uh-huh. They're called the United... There's just, there's just one of them. There's just one. Just uh-huh. one. They, uh-huh. they, have a, they have a statutory contract. Uh-huh. It's both statutory and it's regulatory. So uh-huh. they, they are the premier organization uh-huh. that handles the reporting for both donees and donors mm-hmm. for organ transplants. And they're called the United Network of Organ Sharing. Hmm. Okay. So I get a hold of somebody from over there. Um, I don't know if he wants me given his name. So, so yeah, I don't worry about it. That's okay. Um, so, you know, I talked to him very high up, very, very high up. Mm-hmm. And I tell him like, Hey, this person, I'm, I represent this client mm-hmm. in this criminal in this criminal case, he's been accused of these horrible crimes. Uh, and this person has been telling this story about needing this heart transplant. Can I get a record of whether or not she's ever been on any list? Mm-hmm. He says, well, matter, matter of fact, you can. He said, send me a subpoena. So I sent a subpoena. I put her name on it. Mm-hmm. I, I said, hey, I want any record of whether or not this person has ever been on any list for a heart transplant. Mm-hmm. So he sends me back and his whole research team looked into it. And what the document said was this person, Kelly, they have zero record of her mm-hmm. ever being on any list for any organ ever. Mm-hmm. And, and they've been managing the list, the master list since 1984, which by the way is before she was born. Mm-hmm. So, so there's no record of that at all. So that whole story, the entire thing with all the details, with every, the drive and the hospital and the mm-hmm. transport team and the organ the heart pumping and and for they that was a total lie there's complete yeah, the lies just just I mean, kept going that day wow did she know how to work the police so yeah. all right okay i'm gonna stop it here okay